I'm going to continue to share with you today on the glory, glory to God in the church, glory to God in the church. This is the fourth message I will be preaching on that. And what I want you to do is to just know who you are. Know who you are not by you, because you were born into a particular family on the earth or that you are an American, you are uh, maybe a Chinese or a, or a Filipino, um, a Ghanaian, or, or whatever you are, but to know yourself in Christ. That is so important. Uh, the enemy has really attacked the church to get us to uh, think about and look at ourselves as something different than what we really are. The Bible tells us very clearly that uh, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And so you are a new kind of humanity. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 3.21, to him or to God, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what he says is, so be it, it will never change, that from the, the moment of the church's inception, the, God has received glory in the church. Certainly, he receives glory by the church uh, and through the church, but he also sees glory and has glory, receives glory in the church. And so we, and we want you to understand that you are a great part, a grand part of what God is doing. He's doing great things in the church and in you. You may not realize it at all, but at all times, God is, is working. He's working in us. He's working for us. And uh, he will never stop until the day we see him. In Acts chapter 14, uh, verses 15b through 17, we understand uh, how God has purposed to receive this glory uh, perpetually, that is, from generation to generation. He says, God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations, times before, allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. So God has a witness in the church, and we're going to talk about that in some depth in just a moment. But God has witness in the church. That is, God is speaking to the world now through the church. God is speaking to angelic beings through the church. And when you know uh, that, that people are watching you, you always behave differently, don't you? Yes, we all do. Social scientists will tell you that when we try to observe people, or rather when we do observe people, and they know we are observing them, you cannot get an accurate analysis, right? Because we always behave ourselves better. But God wants us uh, that, to be a new, the new creation. He wants us to be the representation of Jesus Christ at all times. Doesn't matter whether things are going well for you or they're going poorly for you, you should always do well. I've told uh, our congregation many times stories of my earthly father, my dad. He was, he was so amazing. Dad was just a, really an amazing person. And it seemed to me that the older he got, the more wonderful and amazing he became. 
whenever we would have trouble, any of the, uh, the sons or daughters, but especially the sons, we'd have problems. We'd go to our father and say, Dad, you know, this is a problem. And he would say, he would listen to us and then say, count it all joy. So what dad said was that we should always have the expression of joy and thankfulness to God regardless of where we are. And uh, uh, the song, one of the songs we sang today was, I am not alone. So it doesn't matter whether or not you and I are experiencing some form of isolation. We don't know what to do with ourselves. We are the church. And so we should show the angelic beings how the church responds even in un and under unfavorable conditions. We should show how uh, the church responds. So, we, so God takes us through uh, various scenarios in life, but we are to respond properly. Sometimes we have the attitude that if I had all the money that I needed, I would respond differently. But God has, is so amazing. In the church, he has people who have lots of money, he has people who have a little bit of money, and he is teaching the universe how you respond no matter what your station is. If you are, as it were, highly regarded or you are demeaned and depreciated all the time, God wants us to have godly comportment at all times. And by doing so, he receives glory, great glory. I want to read from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, and then I will go to Titus chapter 3. But in, uh, in uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, uh, Paul says, For the grace of God that brings salvation. Now, I want you to notice how it reads. Uh, the NIV reads differently, and I think the NIV can take you in a direction that is not intended. Uh, in this particular verse, okay, I'm not saying the total Bible is, is messed up, but I think in this one, the NIV makes it look like that the salvation has appeared to everybody, you know, but this is what it means. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, okay, the grace of God that brings salvation, all right, has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, notice what he says, that we should deny all ungodliness, uh, and but we do that by our comportment, by our conduct. Not just when we are on camera or when we know someone is listening, but how nice and kind are you when no one's listening? And this is what we, we want to bring. So you and I must resist ungodliness in every regard. We do so by our godly comportment, our godly conduct. And that means we only agree with those things that are godly and of God. We do not take sides in political arguments and social disturbances, uh, uh, pushing for something that God is not for. We don't align ourselves with leaders who are totally ungodly, unrighteous, and, and all of those things. No, we, because our uh, assignment from God and uh, the purpose of God is to receive glory, and he cannot receive glory in my life if, if I am aligning myself with ungodliness. And I would like to say that believers all over the world are, are conflicted right here, and you should never be conflicted. This is, this is totally an embarrassment to me as a man of God that we would find ourselves com conflicted and taking sides 
against others in the body of Christ. And so that means there's some kind of, a, of an issue, a problem, or schism. He says, looking for uh, we, uh, the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so those of us who are saved by Jesus are now looking for Jesus. Now, if, you, if you're not really looking for Jesus, if you're, not, if you're not focused on the coming of the Lord, then it might be indicative that what you have professed verbally is not what is taking place in your heart. Because God, the, the entrance of, of the Word of God and the, the life of Jesus brings light, brings understanding. And so what you want to do is to look for the one who saved you. You must be expecting the one who saved you. He gave himself for us. So he gave himself for us. He died for us that he might redeem us. Now notice this, that he might purchase you, redeem you from every lawless deed, every lawless deed. All sin is lawlessness. So he has died to redeem you from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. N not strange people, you know, weird people per se, but, but you are exclusively the Lord's property. And you should be zealous, eager for good works. And then he, Paul says in verse 15, speak these things, he says to Titus, exhort, and rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. So exhort, it, that is encourage, rebuke, give strong words of warning and correction with all authority, let no one despise you. Like, as I just said, there are so many, and, and, and in America we're full of it, but it's all over the world, it's all over the world. Christians seem to think that they have a, a responsibility to take sides uh, in the secular realm. But that is not what we are to do. We are to show them how God wants everyone to comport themselves. That way, sinners now will say, something is different about this people group, this, these uh, people of the church, something is different about them, and uh, that's how they come to know God. They cannot come to know God because, because of our rhetoric and our sometimes, frankly, divisive conduct. We have to be careful about that. So if you're in this audience today and you are one of those who take sides or you go on Facebook or any of the other mediums and you are taking sides or maybe you, you write articles for, for the newspaper or whatever you're doing, that's not what God desires. And he says, that Paul says to Titus, that you, Titus, you need to exhort them, encourage them, rebuke them with all authority and let no one despise you. Don't, don't let anybody look down on you. Don't you be swayed because they are not walking with you. The church is a glorious church. Jesus died for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So now that you and I know better, we must do better. We, you and I must uh, deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So whatever and wherever we find the ungodliness, we should deny it. That is, we should be going in the opposite direction. And, and frankly, brothers and sisters, when we align ourselves with worldly and ungodly men and try to make them to be believers so that we can somehow find peace, that is not the church. That is not the church that Jesus died for. Now, now let's look at Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. He says, remind them 
And this is where I think sometimes the rub is or the conflict. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Now, what Paul is, uh, is saying to Titus is that I want you to be a good citizen. I want you to be a good citizen, right? So he says, so all believers must be a good citizen, but to be a good citizen does not mean that the church must be complicit with ungodliness. Wow. So we, we have to be careful. So now if you're in your home, don't turn off the device, right? Don't do that. Don't do that. Because I've got to tell you the truth, all right? Then he says to us to speak evil of no one and to be peaceable, gentle, uh, peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, for we ourselves. Now notice what Paul says. So when you look at uh, ungodly society around you, remember something in verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish. So what Paul is saying to, to, to uh, Titus is that I want you to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable uh, and gentle. I want you to be peaceable and gentle. This, these are the um, uh, qualities of a believer, to be a person of peace and to be gentle. He says, showing all humility to all men. So we're not to look at the ungodly and bash and beat them and take part in the uh, ungodly arguments for we ourselves. We're also ones foolish. That means we were unwise. We were unintelligent. That's what that means. Unwise, unintelligent, and even sensual. Wow. He says, you were all those things that you see in others. Sometimes uh, I, I've no noticed that people will, think, will act like they were born saved. Yes. They, they are so judgmental and they got it all right. But if we could look behind the scenes, we would find that they're just like you. In, in most ways, yeah, because we were all once the same, same thing. We were all, all uh, foolish, unwise, unintelligent, and sensual. Yes, yes, we were all those things too. You say, well, I, I'm not that anymore, but now you're judgmental. Now you've gone from one pole to the, to the other pole, but that's not what God wants. He wants to have glory in the church in this present age. We're to comport ourselves in such a way that everybody takes notice. And the angels are looking in because the scripture says that God is teaching those in the heavenlies. He says, now we were also once disobedient. So what does that look like? That means we were unpersuadable. Have you ever been stubborn in your life? Yeah, some people are still stubborn. You're still stubborn, and you think that is a wonderful attribute. Well, I'm stubborn just like my dad, or I'm stubborn just like my mom. That is not a quality of the church. Absolutely not. That is not the glorious church. And so we, but he says we were once disobedient, unpersuadable, not willing to be persuaded, rejecting the will of God. Yes, we all were like that. You were not born saved. And you are not saved now unless you were born again. You don't just join the church. You are born into the church. And this is what Jesus wants us to, to know. Well, we were also once deceived. At one point in our lives, our existence, we were deceived. That means we had wandered. We had gone astray. We were, doing, we were also serving uh, various lusts and pleasures. We lived our lives serving various lusts and pleasures. That means we were in bondage to various lusts and pleasures. We were in bondage. Yes, it doesn't matter who you are. If you are living today, you were at one time in bondage to various lusts 
and pleasures. You were a slave to them. And then he says, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That, that, that always gets me. We were hateful, full of hate, and hating one another. So you may say, well, I've never been a person that hated. Well, you may not have been a person who expressed it verbally. But if you were born of a woman, yes, a man and a woman, you, were, you came from Adam's race, yes, you had that in you too. And all you needed was the right opportunity to express it. But now, but now, but now God has saved you. He has washed you. He has cleansed you. Now, let's, let's go ahead and look. Look at some more. So it, when we were living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another, that means we led a life of malice. What does that mean? We, led, we were bad, and we practiced, if I may say, badness. We practiced badness. We were wicked. We had wicked thoughts. We were, we were full of envy. That means the feeling of displeasure that was produced by witnessing or hearing of the an advantage that somebody had or somebody's prosperity. Now I, now, I will tell you, I never saw that manifest, this particular one manifested in me, but all the others, I think, were there. All right? So, so this stuff is in believers. And it, the seed of it is in us totally. Yes, it is in us totally. So all we need is the right opportunity. And he says we were hateful and hating one another. Uh, we had unjustifiable feelings toward others. So when you hate somebody, have these strong craziness uh, of feelings about somebody, uh, you, you are unjustified. And you were, you were a person who detested people. So he says, that's what it was. But that's who we were. That was the old life. That should not be named once among us anymore. Sometimes we, we, we act out of character and we will, we will say things like, uh, well, uh, you know, you got to stand up for yourself. Or um, that just went too far. Even though somebody goes too far or something happened adversely in your life, you should never act out of character because your new character nature is the Lord Jesus Christ. You have now his spirit. And so we are different than we were before. So I, I painted the picture, uh, uh, according to uh, Paul's letter to Titus, of who we were before. But now in verse 4 he says, but. Now the, the but here changes the direction. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, that is, when the graciousness of God, the goodness of God, the good-heartedness of God, the gentleness of God, when that kindness appeared, the kindness of God appeared, not of works. So the kindness appeared not because you deserved it. I've heard so many people say, oh, this person deserves that. Oh, that person deserves it. No, we were all undeserving of this great mercy that God has given to us. He's given us grace and mercy, and he's given us mercy and peace. Isn't that amazing? That's what God has done. So you and I are a different entity. We are a different uh, humanity. 
So not of works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. According to his great compassion, he saved us. According to his genuine kindness, undeserved on our part, he saved us through the washing of regeneration, of rebirth. He gave us a second birth and a renewing, a renovation. He is, he is still renovating me. And some of us are, 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 are way down that line of being renovated. But you know, it's like nothing seems to help, happen to us that we approve of unless it's going our way. So that's, that's not right. So what he wants us to do is to know that we are under renovation by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly, copiously, richly. So God was very generous. He didn't give you a little bit of the Holy Spirit. No, he gave you the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that you and I, having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow. So God has poured out mercy in abundance upon us. That mercy is the outward manifestation of God's pity on us. He looked at us. We had nothing to offer, and he looked at us, and he had pity on us. And, and when God gave us mercy, it assumed that, that, that there was a great need for us. Yeah. When God pours mercy on anybody or you give mercy to anybody, that mercy assumes a great need is there. You and I had a great need. And now he poured it out on us. He had the ability. He had the resources to give us all that we needed. And he gave us all that we needed through Christ Jesus. When, when God saved us, we were far from the peaceful shore. We had nothing good in us. But what God did was he gave us not his second best. He gave us his very best. He gave us his son through whom he made everything. And that now, that, 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 that entity called the church is now the expression of God's best. I ask you to just give yourself to the Lord today. You're in this audience today and you're a believer. I want you to just rejoice in the Lord. You're a believer. Rejoice in the Lord. Be excited about Jesus Christ. You know that you're saved. But walk like a, a saved person. Now, if you're, if you're a not saved today. You can be saved today. Yeah, I, the Word of God is amazing. The church of God is, is the expression of God. The fullness of God is in the church. And if you're not saved, you can be a part of that. You will live forever in the glory of God. Now, this is what you must do. The Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I know sometimes people say, that's too easy. Well, God made it easy. He said, if you'll believe in the Son, you'll have life. And you'll have abundant life. You'll have life like you've never had. For with the heart, one believes to righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whoever call upon, calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That person will not be put to shame. This is what God wants you to know. So I bless you in the name of Jesus.